Welcome to episode 14 of the Michael Anthony Show. Um, around two months into this overall production now, and um, we've enjoyed every single second of it. I hope you have too. Um, myself and sidekick Connor um, have received so much warmth and positivity um, from, from so many different people. Um, and it's been quite humbling. Um, such different types of people. That's That's what really brings a smile to my face just how different guys who i've said it before would not be able to spend a minute in each other's presence and for me that speaks volumes for the kind of amount of layers the show has if anything else but there is a confession i must make before i um receive any more praise i am not what i am cracked up to be in january 2006 I partook in the BT Young Scientist exhibition in the RDS. Uh, that has never been mentioned before on the show. I don't know if it'll be mentioned again, but next time you're going around talking about the Michael Anthony show or asking people to listen and talking about myself or either Connor, just remember I did do the BT Young Scientist. I felt um, like a fraud, um, a liar, a variety of things, uh, and getting it off my chest is is relieving to say the least but the the project was based on woodlice and we were questioning whether or not woodlice had religion and stuff like that and where we were presenting this thing we we went to a field and like collected loads of woodlice samples and stuff like that and it was a pretty big project (laughs) um a guy in my in my year was doing it at the time and he asked me would i like to help him um there was kind of a week off school and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I didn't reject it. But my favorite moment was we got highly commended in our category or whatever. And, like, do you know how big this competition yeah, is? There's TV awesome. there's TV cameras and stuff yeah. there. And whatever. We didn't win our category. Yeah. We didn't win even, like, we just got highly commended. A yeah. green fucking ribbon. That, that Yeah, that's 60% of the sticker. <laughs> sexual. So he looked at me there when he said that. Sticker. That was sexual. Um, no, but the whole place was basically getting um, these ribbons, bar yeah. like Knockline Community School and stuff like that. But any anyone of any kind of who put any type of work into it uh, was anyone who had a billboard got one basically, um, an actual thing on top of your overall project that says it. Like some some schools didn't even have that, yeah. but we got one printed off, so it was fine. So we didn't win that. But then the guy who asked me to do it with him when they were announcing the overall winner. Of the young scientist. This is in front of like a thousand people in the RDS hall. I remember looking to my right and it was me, him, who was like a kind of, I don't use the word nerd, but very passionate about probably like yeah. sci-fi Science. TV. Um, probably like had his first camera, like Nikon, when he was eight. <laughs> like was like a very talented bloke, yeah. but a guy who, who, who had different interests. Yeah. And... Um, the other guy who was doing with it was the exact opposite. He spent he spent the majority of the week uh, hitting a slither up against the back wall of the RDS. He wouldn't actually have been able to tell you the name of the competition we were in. So he was sitting to my left, just kind of like looking around for for boards at it. I was like, <laughs> you're in the wrong place. You're at the Young Scientist. Uh, but the guy to the right, who obviously arranged the whole thing and asked me to do it, was nervous when they were announcing the winner. Nervous. We, we, we were collecting wood lice. There was guys in there curing cancer and stuff at 13. There was one guy, I think the guy who won it, or one of the guys who run up or something, you could dip something into water to test it for, like, 
test his cleansiness but it's dipping something in it's changed yeah. colour these guys are 13 guys who've won Young Scientist have gone on to be billionaires now in Silicon Valley now yeah. those dudes from Limerick oh they founded some company anyway like these are the type of guys who are winning this and he was nervous um, so yeah that, that was a very embarrassing week or so in my life and I just didn't feel right continuing this overall podcast or whatever you want to call it without you all knowing that um, so that's me um, this time of the year is creeping up again um, debatably my least favourite time of year um, it's Six Nations season uh, what that means is for the next two months rugby players are famous again yeah. uh, Tyke Furlong becomes like an iconic kind of Tyke big Tyke character uh, team of us billboards are all over the place everyone starts hating Wayne Barnes apparently what is that about I'm pretty <laughs> sure some people cite him as the best referee in world rugby why is it cool to dislike Wayne Barnes the ginger referee who's kind of sound I don't know look up Wayne Barnes's banter with Andy Goode on YouTube he's, play, he's refereeing the game Andy Goode's playing he's a legend I'd love to go for a pint with Waza Barnes I want to say Andy Good. Just like in real sound for the whole game, commenting on Goods, kind of like tackling and like really? when Goods about to take a kick and all Barnes are just talking about just general chit chat. Just been real sound. You wouldn't find that with many referees. Sick of it. Barnes is an absolute icon. It's just everything's so predictable. It's going to happen over the next two months. Um, players, guys, like rugby players who if they walk down the street in June, like. They, they are the most irrelevant people in the world they'd, they'd sit beside you in a driving license centre yeah. and no one cares uh, you, February, March they become Hollywood actors people start talking about like their girlfriends and all it's like a big deal if someone's going out with a rugby player the world changes and the culture that surrounds it um, those bars in town uh, horrendous but what is interesting it's kind of sad but it's interesting is it's kind of leaving Um upper middle class now and it's it's it? kind of seeped me into working class it's communities while, yeah if you drive through kind of like north inner city Dublin now and places like this you're seeing Leinster kit <laughs> Leinster kit is selling in working class areas there's 45 year old men smoking uh, Super King Black wearing their zippy with their harp on their left is chest Lifestyle, yeah. they're, they're like off the shelves and lifestyle and champion Leinster's new Adidas kit it's like the old Why is that? Dublin gear. I don't know. I think they're really starting to admire the violence of the whole thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They love the heart. Yeah. It's kind of sad are, because yeah. they'd always view them as the enemy and then they're sitting down there enjoying a rugby wearing their Leinster jersey. Like they're what? not watching the game. Watching it in the furry bog in white church and all. They are. Rugby's, rugby's huge. I can't wait till we have our first working class player though. That's when things yeah. change for me. Like England have on Farrell and stuff like that and if you watch he doesn't use his arms. He only tackles with his shoulder. His... Um, his cousins and stuff who play rugby league are like unbelievably violent individuals, yeah. um, as is rugby league as a sport. But I can't wait till we have like the first fingers player <laughs> playing for Ireland. It would be unbelievable. We'd completely change um, as an overall team and everything we stand for. Now, I know we had Trevor Brennan, but I'm talking actual hard. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I'm talking actual working class Dublin secondhand smoke 
from the age of one month old. Do you know what I mean? Like Brennan just leak slip killed air. Like he just felt like he had a bit of an accent. But like Brennan just seems to me like a guy who kind of pretended to be hard and forth here and just never stopped pretending. So he just yeah. he adopted that accent for a few months and never let it go. And how much of a need he felt to prove that he was hard constantly, completely undermines his hardness. Like yeah. punching fans, starting a fight, poor average player, very average player. But um, just always felt the need to fight at the edge of rooks. He just wasn't that hard. I'm talking proper, proper working class Dublin. But in fairness to Brennan, I remember being at the AIL final in yeah. 2000 against Lansdowne. Yeah. Mary's won it. And like the level of snobbery and sheer disrespect from due to the fact that he had an accent. So it was like Mary's in the AIL, everyone's celebrating, then on comes the mic and they're expecting like, thanks for coming out today. It's like, he is me? And the whole place like, oh, they were disgusted. Character. It's quite interesting this week, of course, we're playing The Enemy Makes Me Sick. Playing England and the Aviva. So now we're kind of going to become real anti-England for the next two or three weeks. Yeah. Uh, regardless, if we lose, we won't. If we lose, we'll talk about how it's not about winning the Grand Slam. It's just about winning on points. But we'll still sit down and watch their games after they leave we'd no bother when they won the Lions tour for us but if we if they beat us we'll sit down and claim Eddie Jones is a cheater and even though Wayne Barnes don't know if he's refing if he is or isn't it will be his fault but um, yeah it's it's kind of weird because it's kind of coinciding with um, this whole thing about Brexit and the border and stuff like that and England are kind of slowly becoming the enemy again Quite embarrassing, a country that did so much for us. Everything we're advertising and selling um, on Saturday in the Aviva is directly just from the English, uh, kind of the Victorian buildings, Georgian houses and all around the place. Playing their game, we used to complain about it being played um, in our country and now we love taking pride in the fact that we are apparently the best team in the world. I don't really see how that one works, but yeah, that's what we are claiming. Um, Addison as well. He's yes, full on English. Um, and just another like example that's current in the media at the minute about just our attitude towards England. First of all, they don't view us really in a negative way. And there's an Irish, to not anywhere near the same extent, yeah. it's it's real one-way anger, which I always find embarrassing. There's an Irish filmmaker who's just been nominated for an Oscar for a short film called Detainment. It's based on the murder of James Bulger. Yeah, I've got a... A two-year-old who was killed in Liverpool by two nine-year-olds. Gruesome murder, disgusting. They, like, took him off from a shopping centre or something and, like, he was found in a train track or something like that. It was disgraceful. Like, the reason it's so famous as well is because it kind of began a debate about should people be put in prison for things they didn't know and all, but these guys were punished. But this guy makes the film, is now nominated for an Oscar... He didn't contact James Bulger's family before he made it. And the mom from Liverpool is now coming out and like, you know, I just don't know how he didn't contact me. You know, watching that and seeing an actor play out my son James's last few hours of life without ever being contacted about it and finding out on social media. And she's calling for it to be pulled and stuff or people are debating it. There is no debate here. That he should, I know it's crazy, he got a short film in for an Oscar, he didn't contact the family no. about making a thing about the murder of the son, pull the film. Yeah. Uh, it has to go. Have some, come on, get it down. And if that was the other way around, an English filmmaker made that about such a tragic Irish story, I just wonder what we'd be doing. Yeah. And then you also have 
the factor of language, everything that we've become or stand for, every single the reason we're not Estonia or Latvia yeah. is because we speak their language. I saw people getting offended recently because some guy in UK government. Yeah. talked about how it was one of the great gifts that England gave us was kind of forcing their language on us and how it's led to so much opportunity in Ireland it's the only reason that all these multinational companies are based in Ireland a completely true point just oh, got right. people going mental on, on, on various platforms um, I thought it was crazy but again I've talked about it before um, it's no secret how deluded we are as a nation and last night um, this is not a lie last night People were celebrating Becky Lynch winning the Women's Royal Rumble. Where is she from? Limerick. Is she? So basically, the the Women's Royal Rumble was on last night. Not even the Royal Rumble, the 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 diva one, and an Irish woman from Limerick, wrestler, actually from Limerick, out now went to DIT. Um. She won the Royal Rumble, and there's people in bars and stuff. There's videos of people in bars celebrating with tricolors. It's scripted. (laughs) It's decided before the Royal Rumble where you push each other out over the top rope who was going to be victorious. Becky Lynch knew going into it she was winning. There's people crying in bars, singing ole, ole, ole. I'll show you the video after this. Oh, that is embarrassing, then. How are they just <clears throat> And the reason the WWE probably scripted it and let an Irish person win is because they saw the success of the whole kind of commercialization of Ireland in a fighting context and how it worked with not just Conor McGregor but now Katie Taylor Taylor can brawl undoubtedly yeah. but it's helping that she's Irish Seamus was kind of big for a while wasn't he? yeah but um, <laughs> that was kind of in a, in a in a much different way I mean like I, I, I don't want to degrade women's sports but like Benfica women um, have won 14-14 this season they scored 257 goals and conceded zero Benfica women. So, women's sports in general, it does warrant celebration, but yeah. it's not necessarily as competitive or high-end, but when it's when it's a female Royal Rumble and they are just kind of porn, they're not They're not even fighting. At least she- Seamus was a big ginger guy with a beard yeah. who at least had the pecs, the arms. These, like, these girls, man, know, the I first thing in box you have to tick is you have to get those geeks who are sitting down in America... With a subway in one hand and yeah. Wendy's in the other, still wearing a Stone Cold Steve Austin t-shirt they got for their 18th birthday in 1998, wearing a cap, you have to appeal to them, and these these women become their fantasies. Yeah, it's like back in the day, the old geek used to think about Princess Layla, Leah, what's her name, Princess Leia, whatever from the yeah. fucking yeah Star Wars shite. Yeah. Now it's all about like Trish Stratus and the Bella Twins, and 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 your one does take these boxes, Becky Lynch. Um, fair does play she, to her. Yeah. Glad she's being successful in what she's doing as a kind of an entertainer, as an actress, but. Come on, guys! Can we just not celebrate it? If I see her on the late leg talking about how she won the no, Royal Rumble, we're, we're, we have to stop paying our TV licenses. It has to get to that stage. Um, misogyny in sport, or is quite an interesting one in terms of the grey line. I mean, it is factual. The standard isn't as high in women's yeah. sports, and that doesn't have the same interest. But you do have to respect it. The, the overall concept of of women engaging in these games, but. What did sadden me was Novak Djokovic, the greatest tennis player of all time, undoubtedly. Um, I know he's only won 15 and Roger won 20 and stuff like that, but Novak Djokovic has reached a standard numerous times in his career. This is probably the second one where no one else has ever played to that level. He has been 
absolutely insane um, for so many periods in his career. He's only 31 years of age. He's won the Australian Open seven times. The guy is ridiculous. But his career took a huge hit. Uh, his 15 and 16 was insane. He was, again, playing to a level we hadn't seen before and then came out saying that women don't deserve the same money in the yeah. game because they, they work less hours and, and the game doesn't have as much interest. Serena Williams jumps on board and then Andy Murray comes out. I don't know, no actual sense, you know what I mean? Going absolutely crazy. And it, it he was so he was right. vilified and so bullied about the comment he made that he nearly had to lay low and just not even get to the late stages of tournaments for a year and a half just so he could stay out of the headlines and now he seems over it and he's back so it's good to see that outrageous tennis player Novak Djokovic ridiculous was in a um, bar on Saturday night and there was a table of young guys and not too far away from my own age maybe a bit older all four of them were wearing glasses Um. Like actual um, reading glasses of some okay. sort. And what I was thinking is, like, it's all well and good. I don't know if it's a McGregor thing. There's, there's people before him yeah. who, who've done it. If, if they can call it a, sc- a style thing, whatever. And I'm all for style. Style's important um, to, all, to all generations. But glasses are something that you need to be given by a medical professional of some sort. Were these not a... No. These didn't need No, glasses. no, no, they couldn't because oh, really? there's kind of a correlation between wearing glasses and your build and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, these guys were all athletic individuals. Right. Yeah. There's not a chance that all four of them would have needed glasses. And eyesight isn't linked to muscle growth and stuff like that, but if you need, if you have an eye problem from a young age, it's more likely that you're going to go into things like reading yeah. than you are to sport because A, you can't see the ball as well. B, your parents are automatically just more protective of you because you had an eye problem. And then C, you constantly feel the need to test your eyes. So you're given things like books and PlayStation games not to play yet more than other people. So it's all linked. The likelihood of you um, becoming an athletic, beefy guy in in your 20s, especially a table of four or five to all need glasses, is unbelievably unlikely. And they all kind of matched the kind of polo neck kind of look. You know it. It's kind of a made in Chelsea-ish thing. But... And again, no problem with style. Style is important. But the problem I have with the glasses thing is, as I said, need to be prescribed. That is the equivalent of wearing a hearing aid into a bar. Yeah, it's like it becoming a thing to need something that helps you hear. Glasses are designed to help you see. They are given to people whose vision is not sufficient enough to see without them or to function without them, read without them, socialise without them. So to see a table of all four or five guys wearing them, it was disheartening. And what I saw even more disheartening is, and this is something that I thought was very interesting, we're millennials, uh, but they have this new generation which they're starting to kind of to take stats on and to study. And anyone born after 1995, they're calling the I generation. Like is that- the I, of course, being a play on iPads, yeah. iPhones, shit like that. And they're saying that intellect is at an all-time low. Is it? They're saying no, the, they're, they're saying social skills, communication skills, all time low. These people have been living on their phones yeah. for their entire life. Um, it's 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 they're not reading any kind of literature. They're all just reading social media news. They're all just reading kind of fake shit that doesn't really add up or make sense. And they're also claiming things like self harm 
and suicide are at an all-time high because the, these guys, people are just raised in a realm of judgment. Yeah. And it's weird when you think, like, there is a difference between people born after 95 and before 95. Like, I feel people who are three years younger than me are so much more different to me than people three years older. It's like there was a cut-off yeah, point. I mean, I think I was, like, the last year in school where, like, you were allowed to be categorised in A, B, C and D team at under 12 level. Two years, maybe three years behind me, under the age of 12, everyone just plays together because it's not fair. And, like, you know the day the sleepover's gone now and stuff? Why? Well, it kind of, it's also because you don't need to ask your mate to stay over in your gaff if you can just play the PlayStation online with them. But yeah. rules are becoming so strict about parents and all. So, like, back in our day, you go in, you go, oh, can so-and-so stay over? They ring your mom, you get in the phone, you all think you stay in your gaff for two or three days. That's gone. By the time you're a parent, there's going to be so much responsibility that it's, the law's going to be so kind of grey about, like, the concept of having a stranger's child in your house overnight. No one's going to be doing it's it. Gone, yeah. Completely. Like, as I said again, people three years younger than me never saw someone getting hit in class three years older than me did it's like the world knew that the i generation was on its way i saw guys getting hit in class i saw coaches um variety of other people say unforgivable things to sap the confidence out of young men have absolutely no respect for people and it's something these kids weren't exposed to raised on their iphones and ipads and they're the ones who are going to pay the price. As I said, they're saying these people cannot communicate with each other. Eye contact, gone. And yeah. um, ability to socialise completely changes. Everyone's just kind of so false. You nearly have a set thing of answers. And I, was, what? I saw it in my own house, my brother, obviously. Yeah, would you have noticed a difference between yeah, your definitely. upbringing and, and your younger yeah, brother? just be given an iPad at dinner and just play it for four hours. Yeah. there, and I was ever obviously given that. Yeah, and it's not, it's not about like the health and exercise thing you should be getting yeah. out into the fresh air because that is irrelevant because their diets are so much and better and their diets are so much better yeah. I mean the shit like every single Thursday and Friday when we were kids was a McDonald's or a Domino's now now people are eating kale on, yeah. on, on Fridays in, in their mate's gaff but uh, that kind of is outweighed in that regard but it, it is the aspect of social skills probably yeah and just having been raised in the right way like what I loved about it all as well is the kind of joy we all take or the bonding we have over how bad the TV we all had to watch where like everyone knows what Drake and Josh was everyone knows what Keen and Kel was you had no choice that's why you take we all know what Zach Morris's phone means because we had no choice but now people are just watching so many different things they have endless choices they can see whatever they want to see like you couldn't just type in Ronaldinho Golvey England you kind of had to wait till it was yeah, on the TV yeah, again. Yeah, you couldn't see, see things. You had to wait. So things, imagery stayed so new, so fresh and so special in your mind. You couldn't just meet up and go to your mate in the schoolyard. Have you ever seen Maradona's goal in 1986? And he goes, no. And then you'd have to get the ball. You'd have to get three lads, get them to slide in, and then you'd pretend to do a thing. Now you just yeah. whip out your phone and show them. The magic is gone because everything's just so... It has slight benefits. I mean, old fellows who still meet up in bars and they know all six of them are making up different stories. So, uh, like this weekend, for example, someone's going to claim that Tyke Furlong has five acres of farmland and then Sean O'Brien has six acres and then the third guy's going to go, they're actually in it together. O'Brien and Furlong, they're farming together. And they'll just make it up and no one corrects each other. People just take pride in making things up in their fourth or fifth point. And the reason why it's so common to make up information um, amongst people in the 50s and 60s is nothing was ever checked when they were growing up. No. Nothing was ever checked. But that developed characters. Yeah, that does, taxi yeah. driver who makes up absolutely everything he's saying, they're going to be gone. Because he knows he can't... He no one was calling them out. No yeah. one was calling them out. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, so uh, who, who do you think of all the Fine Gael? Neither. They're all on heroin. What? 
Ron Heron. The whole fucking Doyle Heron. To do it. But, but how, how are they functioning? It's a different form of Heron. It's a different form. This kind of crazy shit. And it's going to be gone. And it did lead to, lead to some great characters and fun, but th- that won't be happening with the eye generation. Um, unbelievable differences. Everyone just kind of seems so falsely nice to yeah. each other. Do you know what I mean? Everyone... Everyone just seems like it's just a set questions, set answers. There's no freaks anymore. There's no like quirky weirdos. Um, everything's just so accepted, and it's sad. It's sad, and I wonder what's coming down the line next from that. It's never yeah. been more different. I think I think people who were even born ninety three are more similar to people who are born in nineteen sixty than people born like ninety seven and all. Yeah, it definitely is. It's, it's a completely fast. different breed. Yeah. They don't even feel nerves and all. Who people born in 97? Yeah, like just the, the how willing, like again, like young rugby players are to burst onto the scene, just take their opportunity and not bottle it, and not yeah, just because they've just been so exposed to like the American dream and stuff. It has its positives, but it is crazy. Uh, something that Connor brought up to me recently was his love of veterinarians. Connor kind of has this thing where he claims to be like an animal lover, but it doesn't really um, have anything to back it up. You've never even had a dog. But I uh, was talking to him about a remarkable job they do. And I kind of just think they're money grabbers. I think vets are kind of hypocritical in their attitude towards animals. I mean, if you're a vet and you eat meat, do you exist? You spend your entire life. So if someone brings in a pig if someone yeah. had a pet pig if you bought a pig and had like a house around that ran around your back you bought it for the crack and you just camped it and you took it into a vet he'd like put that thing under anesthetic and all and, treat and try to save its life yeah. but then he goes home and he eats uh, bacon or a rasher um, it's so funny the way like they treat dogs and stuff. if a vet went on a holiday to Thailand to visit his daughter who was over there for six weeks and they went to Vietnam for like five days and stayed in a five star hotel and he was walking through Vietnam and saw like the treatment of dogs yeah. and animals he do nothing he just keep walking but if um, some middle upper middle class couple bring in uh, their Springer Spaniel with a broken nail he will charge them a hundred quid and, and treat it he's faking a care of animals he doesn't care you shouldn't be watching yeah, horse racing or greyhound racing if you're a vet there's too much inequality with animals do you know how many dogs there is in the world yeah. do you know how many dogs are being mistreated in comparison to being treated there's only so much you can do and they can't like verbalise the pain it's just all based off money like at the end of the day vets are so respected how many times do they have to treat a hamster who swallowed a piece of fucking Lego that a little boy left out your respect for vets is absolutely embarrassing. You kind of compare them to doctors. It makes absolutely no sense. And the reason that came up and the reason I know how embarrassing his attitude towards vets is, is I had a uh, an idea just to try and bring Connor kind of out of a shell and give him more involvement in a show that he has been so uh, consistently involved in. I want to give him some actual involvement. So I told him that I want to prepare a question. I want him to bring a question to bring up uh, a topic for the first time in the show and um, beforehand I told him not to tell me so we could do it that's what we do we we do it off the cuff I told him not to tell me but beforehand like a half an hour ago he, he mentioned something about bringing up vets and I was just like I don't want to talk about fucking vets with you so that's the reason that got brought up but now that that isn't the question I think not only me but the listeners are also very eager to find out what is uh what is your question for me today? What is the topic you want to bring up? Well, I was just reading recently um, how Irish the Irish nightclub scene is dying out with clubs like Lily's 
and uh, District 8 and stuff like that closing down. They're not linked at all. Lily's Lily's is like a place for forty eight year olds that go after like concerts. It's it's like borderline corporate. District eight is like the home of like every MDMA taking um person under the age of twenty two that Dublin's ever seen. So I don't really see the correlation I'll between the two places. The right venue and swords and stuff like that. Goes in where that. swords? Who the fuck goes to swords? It's still like a nightclub. Too far. Like too far. I can't see anyone been arsed. Go on. <laughs> so they're all causing down. They're saying there's something. Uh, obviously not right with the nightclub scene and everyone's doing different things and I'm going to just wonder what you're taking that is and why nightclub scene in Ireland is uh, failing. <laughs> what, uh, do, you, do you think anything... No, I'm just... Uh, first, society? Yeah. Um, <laughs> ooh, it's got to be... It's got to be one of the worst um, <laughs> observations and questions I've ever heard. Um, I don't really even know what to say or do um tastes change um yeah. like anything in life uh back in the day your parents my parents well, our grandparents would have started off literally waiting at the back of alleys for a pint to be poured that's what bars were yeah that's what kind of irish life was like then kind of nightclubs slowly came into it and became a regular in the 90s 50 40 mm. years after every other place in the world people kind of like standing in cramped places with shite music playing um and now they've been exposed to other things on TV and it's kind of all about health and wellness. The nightclub life isn't nice. It gets you absolutely smashed as bad for your heart. That vodka, Red Bull, Jaeger taker and yeah. shit, that's gone. That's finished. It's dead. No one's doing it. It's all about kind of like mimosas at brunch and then sitting yeah. in a cocktail bar and getting your photo out. People used to go out to get slashed. People used to go out to have a good time. Nowadays, that's not why they do it. Now they go out to take pictures. Now they go out to let people know they were there. So people would rather sit in a boozer and kind of have a nice seat that they could take a photo and do their makeup and kind of tuck the tops of their jackets down over their shoulders yeah. so it looks better. They don't want to dance to Cotton Eye Joe anymore and get we genuinely slushed. We don't party as much as we used to. We party in a different way. We party in a much sicker, kind of subtle, yeah. um, like, judgmental way. Uh, it's not genuinely... Like, people used to be absolutely content with just going missing from their friends for four hours getting absolutely fucked and no one knowing what they did the next day. But nowadays, people's attitude is if you're going to skip the gym, if you're going to have a cheat day the next day, if you're not getting a photo in to let the whole world what it's know what it was like, well, then it wasn't worth it. It's a taste change. The Kardashians don't go clubbing. In fact, the Kardashians put on a full face of makeup to sit in a hotel room, drink a cocktail, take five photos and then go to bed. And that's what yeah. people seem to like doing nowadays. And so the people who care most about things like image are obviously of course the better looking women so yeah. the better looking women are the ones who left the nightclubs first and no one really wants to sit around grinding up to um neve from mayo <laughs> who um is the only one left in the nightclub of course and that's yeah. just the way it is so once the women left the men soon followed i think if you went into one now it would just be kind of a collection of what's left i've been in cover a few times recently oh, 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 oh i don't yeah, even yeah. well oh, i wouldn't even that's so disgusting i don't even i can't even imagine what that must have been like yeah it was bad um, um that's the time you got in a fight with the bouncer was it yeah but yeah. Why, why, why would you be fighting a bouncer well i actually tell the story here Quickly, because I don't know, but quickly. No, some some guy. I was talking to some girl, and some guy came up, yeah, and asked me why. Uh, sorry, she he goes, yeah, <laughs> she's taken. I said hardly by you as a joke, and he got offended and started pushing me. And then shit story, stop it. No one cares. No, that was terrible. 
Um, that was um, whew, that was so much worse than I imagined it was ever going to be. Um, but in terms of women and going to coppers, you're obviously going to coppers because you're a single man and you, you haven't seen um, or smelled a woman in a long <laughs> time. Um, what f- factors, what would you put down to the reason of the lack of female contact you've had in your life in recent months in comparison to the old days? Because you're not a bad-looking guy. I know he sounds much um, uglier than he is. People are actually imagining a fat Des Bishop. But bar the grey hair, he's not a bad-looking guy. He's five foot two, but he's not a bad-looking guy. What A, what do you put yeah. uh, your lack of female involvement in your life in recent months down to? Yeah. And B... Um, how are you finding it? And see what are you looking for in a woman? <laughs> and when he does answer the last question, listeners, please feel free to send in um, anyone who you think might be a match for Connor. Uh, what was a? Um, why do I think it's happening? I actually don't know. Well, lack of uh, going out. I actually don't think I've spoken to a woman. Well, you just said months. you were hanging around yeah, coppers. That uh, didn't work out well. And then you also I gave an example it. of getting in a fight with a man over his woman. So that seems untrue. Uh, uh, so B would be um, how are you find it. Yeah, boring. yeah. Uh, definitely something I want to change. Um, yeah, really bad at the moment. And see, um, what am I looking for? What are you looking for in a woman? Yeah, what, what, what do you? Are you looking for a, a girlfriend at this moment in time, or just no, a bit of fun? No, just a bit of fun. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's so <laughs> disgraceful in twenty nineteen to be saying things like that into a microphone. Um, but what are you? Um, what are you looking for in 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 a woman? Um, do you mean looks wise? No. No. The overall package. Maybe it is looks. I don't know what you are. Uh, so I'm asking. Yeah, looks wouldn't be that important. Maybe that she could. Uh, have a bit of crack that she could be funny. She could uh, get along with me. On so, so just just level. ladies, hold on. Um, <laughs> if you are listening, if you're a bit of crack, if all second one. Uh, I don't know what did I say. Get along with me on a personal. Yeah, level. so a bit of crack. Get along with him on a personal <laughs> level, and what? And uh, nice pair of knockers. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, last um, around ooh, a month and a half ago now we did version one of Who Am I um, of course the winner was listener Niz Dunley and his prize was a 50 euro double on the Saints to win the Super Bowl and Djokovic to win the Australian Open unfortunately the Saints got skanked by a call um, no pass interference called and they crashed out in the semi Djokovic won so he just missed out on the 500 but congratulations him now that that one is over we are on to who am I uh, take two who am I <laughs> I've scored league goals for both Sevilla and West Ham I finished runner-up in La Liga and the Premier League in back-to-back seasons. I spent two years playing in the city of Munich. I won a Champions League playing under Jupp Heinks. My two Lansdowne Road goals were half a decade apart. I have scored league goals for Sevilla and West Ham. I finished runner-up in La Liga and the Premier League in back-to-back seasons. I spent two years playing in the city of Munich. I won a Champions League playing under Jupp Heinks. My two Lansdowne Road goals were half a decade apart. Um, please get your submissions in. 
Um, and the winner of that particular one, uh, whoever gets it right, again, don't know if anyone will, but whoever does will go into a hatch, you'll be pulled, and it will be a 50 euro double on Jacob Stockdale to be Ireland's top scorer in the Six Nations. That's six to four, don't know how. Absolutely hilarious. Have you seen his try record? It's embarrassing. Uh, and the second leg of it will be the Heineken Cup final to be Leinster v Saracens. That's five to four. The draws already made. They're on other sides. They're both absolute machines. It's guaranteed. That will return you around two hundred and eighty. Who am I? Um, have a good week, MA show. <laughs>